Welcome to the Stuck and Rut Podcast. Got him. Dropped him. Nice shot, buddy. It's me. How's it going, Tom? Okay, let's let's go. Let's go. All right. How you doing, Tanisoo? Um, pretty good, though I'm a little depressed and just trapping season in general. We got snow for like three weeks and that was about it. So are you we're in full springtime. You are? Is it green grass now or what's happening? It's not green grass, but it's bare ground. And I guess we got a few wolverines the other day, but kind of interesting. We just put out traps for a couple weeks because we had such a short window to do it with the traveling that we were doing. And then once it got cold enough, Adam flew out on skis, set a quick line, checked it to pull traps because the weather was so bad and we weren't going to be able to fly it anymore. And he had a bunch of wolverines. So we've got 11 this year. (sighs) 10, 11, something like that. <laughs> and hmm. yeah, so not completely skunked. Yeah, well, that that, that is a handful. So at least he has a lot of skinning to do. <laughs> yeah. Keep him occupied. He's but, trying to find people to buy whole wolverines. Like, hey, you want a whole carcass? <laughs> that you want to mount and take to your tax service? <laughs> he does like putting them up and I, I help him too. I've done, well, we've actually only put up four of them so far the rest are in the freezer and i've done two and they, he's done two are they hard to skin out then they can be they're just a little um more particular like around the face and the ears and stuff and they're mm-hmm. pretty thin skinned especially on the like the belly neck area so yeah they're pretty easy to put holes in like i've put holes in yeah. wolves but wolverines i'm like man I'd be really careful. You just have to go really slow. And then pulling the feet out, you know, that takes time. Um, but, yeah, we we had one that was super fatty. It took forever to flush it and get it dried out. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, for the most part, it's like a smaller wolf to two-bit fully. Yeah, someone asked, yeah. Someone asked me the other day on Instagram, and I shouldn't read the comments, but I did. I'm like, why do you kill them? Are they a threat to civilization? And I said, no, they're not like coming in and raping our women and stealing our children. But I said they are, <laughs> they are predators. And to, to what extent, I don't know. But I, I know they do some work to sheep. We don't have those, you know, where I'm trapping them. But uh, caribou and probably moose calves, they are just built so stout and strong. And they're just hell on wheels with claws and teeth. And, I mean, just everything about them. The, the hair doesn't slip as fast. They, they're just... They're hard to flesh. They're hard to skin. They just have all these tendons and everything. They're amazing animals. And I picked up eight the other day when I pulled all my traps. The weather's been, I mean, no days to fly or anything. Yeah, so I just I pulled all my traps. I only had like a month to set gear. And I just went uh, really hard at it. And um, I it kind of worked out because I caught 10 wolverines and i really didn't fly that much usually i try and check traps every week keep things working and pull fur and the weather just sucked and sucked and sucked some more and uh finally when i was able to get out there they were starting to warm up and wasn't um 
so bad we just had high winds and then when it wasn't windy it was foggy and misty which creates ice in the winter which attaches to every flying surface on the airplane which can cause you to crash pretty quick so didn't feel like dying so i waited till it was good and then went and picked up all my fur and now i'm selling wolverines and doing a lot of skinning there you go that'll keep you busy for the well i guess the winter early spring yeah it takes a long time to do wolverines just from flesh or skinning them pulling the skull i saved the skulls to sell those everyone wants skulls it seems like now and pulling the feet out and fleshing them and salting them and boarding them and just a lot of a lot of work but it's kind of a labor of love like i say i hate it but i think i like it yeah yeah i think you do like it but uh <laughs> he's like oh i i yeah it's just so much oh but i really <laughs> i really like it yeah no, that's awesome. He complains awesome. about things he likes. Yeah, I I do it too. I do it too. I always do it just to give it an excuse, like you know, like to my wife Jacqueline. I'm like, hey, like hunting's a business, okay? So sometimes I have a hard day, and so I have to play. <laughs> I have to play it like that because if she always knows I'm out to have fun, then it doesn't look like I'm working. So I have to make it look like I'm working when I'm out hunting and killing wolves. So, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. makes sense. I think of hunts. I think everyone has a different mentality. I think of a hunt. I think of like a mission, like a spec yeah. ops, top secret, you know, special team, special forces mission. Like this is the plan. This is the objective. This is how we're going to insert. This is the tactical move. We're going to do this. And if this falters, we're going to, we're going to fall back to here. And if that doesn't work, we're going to retract or extraction over to this point and do that. And then mission accomplished is this. And that's how I kind of plan it in my head. I'm not a military guy or anything, but I just try yeah. and plan it really systematically like that. But yeah, some, and then I have to have a high level of misery, it seems like, because that's where I perform. And I perform under a pretty good load of stress. And when I am stressed and it sucks and the weather's getting worse and I need to get the meat out and everything, that's when I feel like I, I'm optimal at my performance mm -hmm. level, you know? Yeah, I think that's just like the typical stuck in the rut um experience too i think that's how we all you know i think that's why we do so well at killing is i i had a guy actually just contact me the other day and he's just like <laughs> he was talking about how nice it would be to like sit around a campfire at hunting camp with the stuck and rut boys and just tell well we're like we're, you know be there while we're telling hunt stories around a campfire and that's not i had the really same how i had the same talk with a guy two days ago tom <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah, might have been the same guy, but yeah, I I know what you're talking about. I can't even remember the last time I had a fire, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was just like, no, I don't think it was. I think it was a different individual because this was. It was probably actually more or less like a year ago. But anyways, that's funny that you had the same conversation. But it's you. We know our hunts are not enjoyable all the time <laughs> like, yeah. like we'll go to camp and camp is miserable, but we're just like like you said, it's a mission. We're like we're there. We're there to go. We're there to kill something and we're getting off the dang mountain. And, but that the reward, I mean, to me, I don't know. Like for me, when I'm going hunting, I'm actually out there to kill. Thank and you for, thank you for saying kill Tom. Cause you've said harvest quite a bit and I'm glad we're talking now. Like we're killing animals. Cause that's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> we're taking yeah. the life of animals. That's what I told the guy. I said, he's like, yeah, just hanging around the camaraderie. And I said, 
I said, I like camaraderie, but I said, I'm, I'm there to kill, just so you know. Like, we are not sugarcoating anything. We are not there for sunset photos. And, ooh, look, a picture of a flower. And, oh, we didn't, we didn't make the harvest happen this trip, but we saw some cool berries and we saw a doe. No. That means to me, <laughs> and I tell my kids, like, the mission to go is to go in and kill the biggest mature animal in that area. And if you go and you and you don't kill something, you're a failure. And so, I'm sorry, plain and simple. That's like, you <laughs> yeah, you're a failure. You're a failure. Anyone you ever talk to is a failure. No, I just tell them like it's great to enjoy the experience, and you can't like be that brutal with kids. But I said, look, we're going in, and there's going to be fossils, and there's going to be tracks, and we're going to get the whole experience and look at plants and flowers, and especially a bunch of girls. They all want to look at that stuff. And I'm like, well, there's a nine, ten foot bear over there. Do you want to pick up fossils or like try and go make a stock on this bear and we can shoot it? Well, I don't know, daddy. Um, but yeah, my, my goal is to go there and kill something and they know that, you know, and so they're bloodthirsty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand. <laughs> and I, it's, can you relate, Tana? It's bragging rights, too. I mean, yeah. we came off Kodiak. We're like, how'd you do? I'm like, oh, we shot five goats, four deer, three foxes, and just jaws just hit the ground. They don't, that doesn't normally happen. I've never been to Kodiak. I don't know anything about goat hunting. All I know about goat hunting is it freaking sucks because it's steep and I'm always scared I'm going to die. Yeah. You know? If we're going on, a, yeah, if I was on a vacation, I wanted to join the scenery, I'd go to Hawaii. <laughs> I'd go, yeah, not Kodiak. I want to go to Kodiak Island. I go to Kodiak Island to kill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah but it makes the i mean what makes the scenery and the flowers even prettier is when you're packing an animal off you know i feel like when i kill something and i'm packing it off the mountain it's like when you're looking at the flowers and everything everything just like becomes more enjoyable like wow this mountain is pretty wow like this waterfall is gorgeous like i actually enjoy the trip a little bit better after i kill something i know it sounds uh, selfish but it's like I think it's the same thing like it is a mission and I think we've always grew up like that too we we grew up like that is the mission we're going in there to kill something that is the purpose of the hunt and is it a guarantee no but I think that's just the reward of it too right like it's like I think any sport if you play basketball football I don't think anybody's happy to lose nobody's happy to lose right like you could be a good sport about it, but nobody's happy to lose. Uh, that's kind of like with me with a hunt too. And I just and, take those but, as learning moments, though. You know, and let's, they a lot of guys moments. they say that in the pause, like, "Oh, well, you can just learn from it." Yeah, I learned from it, but I learned from it to never have that happen again. Like, we don't blow stocks. Mm -hmm. You know, the days of blowing stocks are over. You you have the stock. You wait till the wind's good. If the wind's not good, you're not going. It's not like, oh well. Maybe we could just kind of get above this elk just for a little bit upwind and he won't smell us. We know better mm -hmm. and we don't blow stocks and you go in there and you make it happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And so just you learn from every single hunt and it's not like, oh, well, you learn and it was a good experience. No, you learn how to not suck and be better. Yeah. Well, I look at that, you know, that big bull that I watched and hunted for two years. I ended up beating my tag that year and I wouldn't call it that was a waste because I, like you said, I learned from it. So, that was back in 2018. I hunted that bull all year, that bull elk, that big seven by seven. And I just, all I did is I learned about everything about that bull. I patterned that bull, even though I ate my tag, I, I knew it wasn't, it wasn't hundred percent a failed hunt. I learned a lot about him. So the next year I picked up his sheds and then that archery season, I killed him the second day of season. So yeah, that was, that was still a great story. A yeah. And it was just a great successful hunt, but it's still, 
you know, I, like you said, I'm, I wasn't there to pick flowers and, um, yeah, and look at the scenery. And, and I'll probably get some hate because I'm pretty direct. You might understand that. <laughs> you, you might know that, Tom. I guess what I really don't care because we all hunted before there was social media. We all hunted before hunting was like the cool hip thing to do. You know, I yeah, just I do I do it because I want to do it, and I have my own mission and my own prerogative. I didn't shoot a moose this year. I was going after two very large, extensive, huge moose. Like. Mm. I mean, the biggest moose I've ever seen, and I've flown in Alaska for like 13, 14 years, and um, I just couldn't put it together. I couldn't land close enough. I couldn't hunt them, and I passed I passed multiple Boone and Crockett bulls just because I wanted to do that. Now, in turn, the cool thing about being a quote-unquote trophy hunter like you with that bull elk, you got to hunt a lot, and you got to see his pattern, and you got to see really weird elk patterns. I remember you telling me stories of like, he just, he's uncallable. He's a runner, but then he's like silent and just, you know, um, you guys had all kinds of weird tactics to try and get ahead of him. And so it makes you a better hunter, even if you eat the tag and you may seem mm. like, it may seem like a failure because you didn't punch a tag that year, but you learn a lot. And I called in a lot of moose this year and I learned a ton. I got him watching breed. I got to watch cows make cows roll around in scrapes and dry dry wallows that bulls had made so it was really cool just to be out there and experience the nature see adam you went out for the nature am i a hippie yeah <laughs> i guess so <laughs> well i well that and you got a good point there too because it to me it's like when i go on a hunt it's nice it does make an enjoyable hunt to see a lot of wildlife you know like if i'm like let's say i'm hunting a premier mule deer unit i want to see mule deer and what would make a mule deer hunt fun it's if I'm consistently seeing mule deer. And even if I ate my tag and passed up big bucks, I was in mule deer. I was seeing mule deer. That makes the hunt fun. What really doesn't make it fun is if you're, you go through the whole hunt without seeing or getting any action, you know, like it's always enjoyable to get action to know what you're doing. I think if you don't have that incentive of, of having action and having opportunities, then you're not going to be successful. You have to incentivize yourself. It's, I think it goes with anything else, you know, in life. If you're a business person and you want to make money, you have to incentivize yourself. You have to do that with hunting too. You can't, you can't go into hunting saying, oh, if I'm not successful, I'm still going to enjoy the journey. You still have, you have to go in the mindset in a hunt and say like, I'm, I'm here to kill. I'm here to achieve a goal, you know, and you can still, I think in a sense, you can still enjoy the journey. You can still enjoy the whole hunt, but you have to go in with a goal of some sort, right? And, and being successful. And I think that's what, what literally sets us apart is, you know, we're not there. We're not at a campfire to just BS and tell hunt stories. I enjoyed telling hunt stories like all day long, but not at hunting camp. Yeah. It's at Salt Lake camp, City Expo. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. And, Total lot. and it's fun to, and, or like, you know, sitting like, you know, at lunchtime, you know, during work hours, I guess, or like, you know what I mean? Like just, just BSing the people that while you're not hunting, but there's always something to do at hunting camp. You know, if you're not hunting, there's, you got to set up the camp, the tent, you have to cook a meal, you have to catch up on sleep. You know, there's, there's something to do at hunting camp. There's not a lot of time where you can uh, sit around and tell hunt stories. I guess if you're, unless in Alaska, you know, you get those days where you're, where you're socked in on a nasty weather day, then you got, yeah, that's it. Then you got time to, to pull the cards out to play the what is it buckopoly or <laughs> a lot of my buddies like they'll just download movies on their phone which 
I guess I'm still on my phone. I download a lot of Kindle books, and you can rip through books quick. I just I don't feel right like watching movies on a hunting trip. It feels like I'm too connected, and I go out there to like you know lose technology in the world. So I I don't take a paperback book because they're heavier, and you know mm-hmm. I can bring multiple books on my phone. But I feel like I don't know. That's just my own personal thing. But yeah, I yeah. I don't know if I think about all the really truly successful, consistent hunters who kill big animals every single year. Those people are really driven, and I would say they have a pretty similar passion to us. And there's probably not a lot of campfires to get back and hang out at 5, 6 p.m., drink a beer, make a sandwich for tomorrow, because we're usually mm-hmm. rolling in well after dark. Usually in Alaska, there's not a whole lot of walking in the dark. We'll get back to camp maybe a half hour after dark or something like that. We're usually pretty close to the airplane mm-hmm. where camp is. But mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Then it's, it's, my mind has all these chores. I got to get water for tomorrow. I got to load mm-hmm. my pack. I got to get my food for tomorrow. I need to drink some hydrate mm-hmm. and recover so I don't cramp up all night. I need to take, take a leak before I go to bed. I need to get this set up here. I need my pistol right here because the bear's probably going to approach from here in the night if I have to shoot one. I need to make sure my rifle's by my side. All these chores I have that I don't have time to do anything. And then you try and get as much mm-hmm. sleep as you can because you got to recover and then get up and then, I don't have time to sit by a campfire because I'm literally exhausted because the mission's to kill an animal. And if I didn't kill an animal, I need to hike farther and look harder and hunt harder rather than just screwing around is my theory. Mm-hmm. Change, yeah. change something to make it work. And I'm always sitting yeah. there thinking, what would be a better tactic? Where is the moose going to be? Where is the f- travel corridor? Where are the cows going to be? What food is around? And yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It's super challenging. Yeah, I, I know. I feel you. See, and that's the same thing too with like, well, especially hunting wolves. Like, you have to always be on your toes. You always have to be ready to adapt. And and there is no time to sit and relax with wolves. <laughs> I feel like to keep up with a wolf pack can be really, really difficult. Um, I was even just thinking about the experience that I had last fall. The unfortunate truth was I wish I had more time to hunt wolves um, last fall. I, I feel like I've been fairly successful with wolves, but um, this year, I, which I have no regrets, had a great hunting season. You know, we had Kodiak Island. Um, I had mule deer to hunt, elk. Got a lot of different animals to hunt. You know, a lot of tags to fill in our pockets. And so I didn't have as much time as I like to do when, when I was hunting wolves, but I was glad I was able to um, get a little bit of wolf hunting in right before the elk season started. Um, especially drawing that elk tag. I had a, had to go after a big bull. Um, but yeah, it was, it's crazy. And if you guys, you guys heard about that, um, about the wolves getting put back on the endangered species list. I heard there was talk of Where? it. So it was actually the mid, it's the Midwest States like Minnesota and Wisconsin. Oh my um, wow. Wow. Yeah, so I guess they they have pretty much the same population. Do you know what the population of wolves are in Alaska right now, Adam? Or I don't, Santa, I don't you know. There's freaking law. I mean, there's no snow right now to go out and look for yeah. moose kills or tracks or anything. But there's there is quite a few. Yeah, they probably don't really call her a whole lot of them just because they're always known to be around, and they're more or less treated like a coyote. Yeah, I think I've seen one caller, maybe. Um, yeah. ungulates get collared. I see caribou moose collars all the time, but wolves, maybe one, I think. Gotcha. Yeah. I think, in, I think Idaho is getting similar to that too. I mean, I guess our area, we have so many here. We don't 
hardly the only callers we get are from Washington. Yeah. Cause they call her those ones, but then they cross over on the Idaho side and we end up killing them. But it's probably um, the feds that do it too. Not the state. I would imagine. Right. Or just Washington. Yeah. State. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just the wildlife biologist and, uh, doing their studies. I, I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's the, obviously I think they're, um, more or less, what's the word? Like they're told to do. It. I don't think it's by choice. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Oregon pretty much every wolf in Oregon right now, it has a fishing game collar on it. Wow. <laughs> you know, they're, they colored those things to, to the heck. And, and any rancher, we talked to a rancher that, that actually, was having some serious wolf issues with their cattle and um the, the i guess they got permission to kill any wolf without a fishing game collar the problem was every single wolf in that wolf pack had a fishing game collar <laughs> yeah. so you could so they could do nothing they could do nothing but just let them you know just kill the cattle unfortunately um but no i guess so that rule was it was ah, it's typical i mean typical story a federal judge from california made i made a um sorry jacqueline just came in for a second <laughs> no no it's good but uh anyways made a um yeah federal judge jumped in put him back on the the endangered species list in wisconsin and minnesota and a few other midwest states but yeah they're in Wisconsin right now, it's pretty much the same population like Idaho, well over a thousand wolves. That first season they ever had open, I mean, they, they took out 200 wolves, like right from the get go. I mean, there's, and in Idaho that it takes, it takes an entire wolf season to kill 200 wolves in Idaho oh, yeah. and they did it in two days. So I don't, I don't know if they really know how many wolves Wisconsin really has, but it's unfortunate that they're fighting that they're fighting the same thing we used to fight. You know, the environmentalist groups got in there. And they're keeping it shut down. It's so unfortunate that people are not able to do proper management. I, mean, I think we're, you and I are both grateful to be in a state where we can actually manage our predators and actually keep them in check because that's, yeah, it's just so important in this day of age. And there's, and I don't know where this power that these environmentalist groups are getting because they're, I've never seen them fight so hard in my entire life as of the year 2021 like they're they're always like i i've seen washington they were trying to shut down spring bear hunting in washington you know they're trying to shut they're trying to shut down cat hunting in colorado and in arizona like they're i've i haven't seen they're it's like every week they're trying to shut down something new and it's and it's scary it's like i want to avoid social media and get away from all that but at the same time, you kind of want to fight the good fight and keep, you know, and to keep these things open. Because if we didn't pay attention, these laws would be made. Yeah. Unfortunately. If you don't, mm-hmm. just don't realize how lethal they are. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, especially wolves. But I, I don't know. And you guys have noticed it too. I mean, wolves are intelligent critters. Like, it doesn't take much management on a wolf to really actually wise them up you know especially with livestock we where we live in idaho like we hardly ever get wildlife or uh we never we hardly ever have wolf issues with livestock ever 
but it's because we've been managing our wolves for 10 years. A wolf pack knows that if it tries to kill life, like any issue with livestock that ever happens, one of the wolves gets killed or one or two, and then they don't, they don't come back. They're, they're very intelligent animals and people don't give them the credit they deserve. Oh, they're super and smart. Yeah, they are. And so like when you hang ribbons, like this is what Oregon and Washington tries to do. They try to hang ribbons, you know, those little stupid, um, blow up things that, that, uh, salesmen, car salesmen have, but I forget what those are called. Those like dancing. Yeah. Uh, what are those called? I don't know. I don't know. Those little tractor <laughs> things you see or whatnot. Yeah, they like float around. Those like dancing people that are like ten feet, fifteen feet tall. Like they hook those up at the ranch borders. It's just like, what do you think you're doing? Like this is insane. Like this is going to stop a wolf pack from coming in. Like wolves, they as soon as they get a, a slight taste of the fear of man, they leave us alone, and that's what it is. And and obviously, we have to also put drastic measures in managing them in areas, especially where you know, where, the, where they're damaging wildlife populations. But besides that, like hunting pressure is really important. I mean, predator management is important just in general, but wolves, I just think out of any predator that like from Wolverine to, to bear or even mountain lion, I feel like wolves, you just have to put a lot more pressure on them than any other predator. Just because if you, if they're not kept in check, they can do some serious damage. Yeah. And then That's you get other the, people that are, they say, well, we just, we just need to let nature take its course and the wolves will run out of food and then their packs will dwindle down in size. And I mean, personally, if I was a wolf, I'd rather just be shot in the head rather than starve out of food and live a long, cold winter full of disease and different things that they talk about. But honestly, mm. humans suck and we've screwed up the biology of this, this ecosystem so much that now we have quantitative data, biologists and researchers, and we can control things with different programs and different things like that like trapping and hunting but you know it should be based on biology not people's feelings like oh wolves are so personified and we just we should mm -hmm. put them back on the dangerous species because they're getting shot and they have pups well guess what cow elk get shot and they have calves so mm -hmm. you know I mean, what are you, are you just going to stop shooting those i mean i don't know yeah yeah there's, there's you got to keep things in check i mean we still got people that need to fill the freezer and stuff too and um, I think one of the biggest, um, like the biggest question I get is why do you hunt wolves? If you don't eat wolves, why do you hunt them? Why don't you just hunt deer and elk? Cause that's your food. And for me, it's like, well, in order for me to eat deer and elk, I got to kill wolves, right? Like I can't just let, but it's the same. It's no different than a farmer, you know, when he, when he protects a crop, when yeah. you have rodents, you have insects that are out to destroy the crop. You have to. You have to use pesticides. You have to, you have to kill the gophers with poison in order to have a successful crop. It's no different with wildlife. You have to protect. Like to me, I look at deer, elk, and moose almost like a livestock. Like I, I like to watch, and I'm sure you guys too. Like Adam, I'm sure you like watching like that big bull moose that you find sheds to. It's like you know you're watching that animal, and it's almost like you're that's your flock. That's your, that's your livestock that you're taking care of. It becomes and a relationship. It does. And, you know, you see a, you know, a farmer, although he eventually butchers the cattle, he loves his cattle. He takes care of his cattle. 
And he's, and that's what we're doing with our live wildlife. Like I fill my freezer, not with cattle, but I fill my freezer with a deer or an elk. Or, yeah. You know, a couple. A good point. I didn't never and thought so about it, it like that. And so it's, you have to take care of it. And, and so when it comes to that, I, because I eat deer and elk, I have to manage wolves. Yeah. I am an added. People, people you, should really listen to that part because I yeah. hunt deer and elk. I shoot the wolves. And I know we've talked about it before, but everyone listening, you need to really focus on this part. If you are deer or elk hunting and you stumble across a wolf, at that point, that hunt now becomes a wolf hunt. Shoot the freaking wolf because those things mm-hmm. eat multiple of those things that you are targeting and do your part. You know, and mm-hmm. I know you've heard it like dozens of times. Tom's, oh, I almost got a wolf. Like, oh, what happened? Tell me a story. Oh, I was elk hunting. And it's like, okay, were you like right on a bull about to pull the trigger? Well, no. I mean, there was elk around. It's like that the wolf just walked by. You should have shot it, you know? At that point, you need to have a wolf tag in your pocket and do your part. Kill the wolves. Exactly. And and I and I try to tell that to non-residents, too, that, you know, that hunt Idaho. I'm For me, I'm a non-resident when I hunt Alaska. I'm a non-resident when I hunt Wyoming. But I also have to understand, too, like, how do I benefit the area if I'm hunting out of state? Like, I want, I don't want to be a burden on the state. I want to be a benefit. So, like, if I'm going to another state, like how can I be a benefit and help? And, and for me, it's predator management. That's one, one of two things. I mean, another op, you know, another way to, to be a benefit is just pick up your crap too. You know I mean? Like, you know, pick up your stuff, don't litter in the woods, but, but on top of that predator management, if you come into Idaho with a deer and elk tag, please pick up a wolf tag too, you know, in case a wolf passes by. And if you kill a wolf, you have helped the state. You've helped the state of Idaho so much with that. Same thing with Alaska. If you go to Alaska and you're hunting moose, make sure you're ready that when a wolf comes by, you're ready to shoot it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they actually changed um, the regs up here where they, they rescinded in a lot of the hunting areas that you don't need a wolf tag anymore. Oh, to, that's To nice. benefit people. That if you're incidentally hunting and a wolf walks by and you're caribou or moose hunting, even bear hunting, they want you to shoot it. And the limit is 10 mm-hmm. wolves per day per person. I don't yeah. think there's an issue. And that tells you how many wolves we have up here. And there's, you're never going to just, you're never going to over harvest wolves or over kill them or whatever you say. I say harvest in like a biological mm-hmm. term when you're talking about like data and stuff. But when you mm-hmm. look at harvest reports and stuff of wolves, like, the most wolves we get killed here on the peninsula are from incidental take from spring bear hunters. You know, they're, they're sitting yeah. waiting for a big bear to come following a sow down the beach looking for clams or sh- mussels or whatever, kelp or something. And then just so happens those wolves also want that tidal area as their food source and they just come running down the beach. And every tide, the ocean wipes away the tracks and every tide when you're hunting on the beach, both sides, the Bering Sea side and the Pacific side wolf tracks usually every single tide running on the beach at night so that's where a lot of the wolves get taken just incidentally you know yeah not that many get trapped not that many just get hunted and straight up called in you know it's usually incidental Mm -hmm. take and a lot of it's from non-residents and so alaska made that rule to promote that because otherwise guys would have to buy a wolf tag and things like that and then they might not do it then they might not pull the trigger but now everyone up here they're shooting wolf because they want a wolf hide and they want to say i killed this in alaska so they do it yeah. And that's cool. Like wolf hunting is fun. And I'm, and, and it's kind of weird to say, but I've, I've actually thrown some other animals to the side to hunt wolves. You know what I mean? So like, even like I drew that really good elk tag in September. Well, when Travis and I got into a wolf pack, it's just like all of a sudden our gears changed. Like, well, 
I know I drew this good elk tag, but now I'm in wolf mode, you know, because the hunt's already over. <laughs> the elk hunt's already over in this area at this point. Like we're back here. The wolves are in, the wolf pack moved in, the elk are gone. Now all we got to do is just do our part predator management because I want that area to be good when my kids get old enough to hunt. They're still, they're still really young, but I want to be able to show my children what the benefits of predator management are for. I've noticed it already. I, I've mentioned it a few times at the Salt Lake show. I brought that set of sheds and told that story where there is that one particular area is one of the first areas the wolves hit in Idaho and it just completely slaughtered our wildlife for probably, I say it was up to eight years or so. Like we have just pretty, it pretty much was a dead zone for eight years. And then I just recently shed hunted it. Well, not this year, but last year. And I picked up close to a dozen fresh mule deer sheds in there, including that big one. And this year I tried going in there one day, but the snow is still really deep. So I had to back out, but yeah, it's, it does work. Predator management does work and, and, you know, and I think with everybody, what people need to know is that the, the purpose of management is not to exterminate, it's to manage. And the thing, like you said, Adam, with wolves is even if you even tried to kill as many wolves as you can, you just don't, unless you used other methods like poison, you can't truly get rid of wolves. They're, they're like a coyote. They reproduce too quickly and and that's why Idaho has had to consistently loosen and loosen their rules themselves because, you know, like they first started with two wolves a year, found out that that wasn't working. The wolf population was still growing. So then it was, it started, then it went from five. If, if a hunter could, if a hunter could kill five wolves a year, he can do it, you know? So they allowed hunters to pack five wolf tags. And then that wasn't working. So then they raised it to 10 and then they raised it to, they just kept raising it. Now, if, if I was truly a really good wolf hunter and trapper, I can kill 30 wolves a year in Idaho. Yeah. But the thing is, nobody can like, it's, I mean, it's really, it's a challenge. Wolf, wolf hunting is a challenge, but it's, it's very, very rewarding. And, and so that's one of the things I've been trying to teach people, especially with the Salt Lake show too, is about the wolf hunting masterclass. It's, it's really benefited a lot of people. A lot of people learned a lot. And like I was telling Tana before, before you got in, Adam, I was telling. Yeah. Are I, we supposed I, to be talking I, about courses this whole time? I've just been, I don't know, talking about the word harvest and how it pisses me off. I thought we we're supposed to be talking, <laughs> talking about the app. Let's talk about harvesting wolves, Adam. Oh, I, I know please, you don't like you the word hippie. harvest. Uh, some people, no, I said that on, on social media too. I was like harvesting wolves. And if people are like, why'd you say harvest? Oh, it was, oh, it was on YouTube. And I'm like, well, the thing is the whole censorship thing then that's going on and stuff you have to you have to kind of be careful with it i don't honestly i don't care as much to say kill like i'm fine i can say kill all day long it's i mean it's not an offensive term offensive term but um unfortunately some of these social media platforms have been changing quite a bit um but yeah so the wolf honey master class i'll get a little bit into that because we actually haven't done a podcast on that yet and so is it okay to if I talk a little bit about the wolf hunting masterclass and, and share some insight with it. Yeah. Okay. So, so what the wolf hunting masterclass, I, it's taken me a very, very long time to put together. I wanted to first, I mean, I've been thinking about this for, for a couple of years now, but I just wanted to make sure I knew, I knew as much as I possibly could about hunting wolves. And it's come to a point where I'm very, very confident in killing wolves. I've, I've killed a lot. And, and I've even been told 
even by some some of our wildlife officials that I've probably killed more wolves hunting than than the majority of people in Idaho. I'm probably like the small, I am like the 5% or even less than that. Um, I, I'm, my, my, uh, my success rate is well over a hundred percent when it comes to killing wolves every single year. And, and if you actually look at the statistics of Idaho, it's under 1%. So like if a guy actually bought a tag and wanted to try killing a wolf without any knowledge whatsoever, try, I mean, a guy can go deer hunting without any knowledge and kill a deer. You know, it may not be a big deer, but he can do that. It's the same thing with elk. You know, you can get an elk tag and kill an elk without, with very little knowledge on how to kill elk. But a wolf, you know, we were talking about this earlier, like very rarely is it accidental. I'm now, I'm sure if you spend enough time around deer and elk, you're going to see wolves, but that's not usually the case. Like it is pretty hard to go out and harvest a wolf. Like they're a very intelligent animal and very challenging to hunt. And with that pack dynamic, they know how to avoid people. Um, But one thing that I've learned along with Travis and and just the whole family, we have all learned how to hunt and manage wolves. And we've been very successful at it for the past few years. We've been really, we've been figuring it out. We've been knocking them down. And so it's been really fun and it's been a great journey. But now we've realized that we have something here. We have a lot of knowledge in how to hunt and pursue wolves. And some of you guys that are listening to the podcast right now have watched some of these episodes on the YouTube channel. So you guys also know that we're, we're doing very well in harvesting them. So it's taken me a very, very long time. And, I, and I, I made a very thorough class on how to hunt wolves. You know, and, and so what this is, I'm not just going and teaching you how to do it. I'm showing you how to do it. So I'm actually showing you out in the field, up in the mountains, and showing you step-by-step and how to find a wolf pack and how to pursue and execute the hunt. And, and it is a very rewarding thing to do. And it's, and I've been really enjoying hearing the response of everybody that has taken the course and and they're getting in the wolves. And so I think this is the thing too. Uh, I say right now, um, and this is something that everybody has to learn for themselves. So I can't teach everything, but the one thing everybody has to learn for themselves is to be a good shot with their, with their gun, right? They need to learn how to shoot their gun properly they need to shoot learn how to shoot with their bow properly and i think the biggest response i've been getting lately which have been very positive is everybody that's been taken well i won't say everybody but um a lot of the people that are taking the course are coming back to me and they're saying well now after i've taken the course i'm getting into the wolves i'm finding wolves i'm calling them in but i missed (laughs) and so so stop missing yeah stop missing the wolves but um, but that's great. Uh, this is positive feedback to me that, that, that my techniques are working for you. And, and so anyone who's interested in taking the wolf hunting masterclass is wolfhuntingmasterclass.com. One wolf will pay for the course and it, you'll love it. And th- that's the thing is just like, just learn how to be a better shot. I think that's really what it is. I try the best I can to um, explain certain shooting techniques, but that's all up to you. You know, it's like, you know, Tanya, you're a fitness trainer, you know, you can teach somebody how to be a good, you know, how to take care of their body, but they, it, they still have to act on what they eat and what they don't eat. Right. Like you can't do it for them. So you can't, you can't stuff the celery down their throat or, or the good healthy food that you offer people there. They or say that they need to eat. Like they have to do it themselves. Yeah. 
you have to, you just teach them and they have to do for themselves. So that's what I'm doing is like, I, what I'm doing is just, I'm teaching you how to hunt wolves. And if you follow everything step-by-step, step, you're going to kill wolves. Um, but just know your equipment, know the gun you're shooting and, and get comfortable with that. And I did show like the one thing I do show too in the course is what I consider as the perfect wolf gun. Um, the well-balanced gun that I had built specifically were for wolf hunting. Now our whole family right now, we have just, we're all getting gunworks rifles. And so now I'm going to get another um, wolf gun built specifically for wolf hunting. And, and it's going to be a short, it's an 18 inch barrel. And oh yeah, that's going to be a, that's going to be a predator killing machine. I can't wait for that. Tana, which gun did you order from Gunworks? Uh, you're going to have to ask Adam. He ordered for me. I ordered. Oh, he ordered, well, he ordered two for himself. One for me. No. <laughs> she gets one. I get one. We did a, I'm kidding. We did a 330. We should probably do a whole podcast right with those Gunworks guys. Just talk a 338 and a 7 SOM. So many different oh, options. Yeah. yeah, 338 ROM and then a 7 SOM. And picked mm -hmm. a 7 SOM. I was going to do a 6.5 PRC. Wanted a a sheep gun and a lightweight caribou gun wanted something my kids can eventually hold up because kids can't hold up a gun, you know, without being on like mm -hmm. a tripod or land down prone. And, um, the reason I went with this seven SOM just cause I wanted a larger bullet in case we're sheep hunting or something like that. And, uh, ran mm -hmm. into a grizzly interior grizzly or something. I wanted a little more knockdown power, like point blank range. Um, yeah. and, Sheep are easy to kill. I've been a little undergunned lately with a 338 ROM on sheep hunts, but uh, yeah, well, yeah, I wanted something lighter and uh, easier to carry up the mountain. And I picked their uh, middle of the road. They have a climber, which is lightweight stock. The verdict, or mm -hmm. no, sorry, the Magnus, which is the middle of the road. That I really liked how that how that thing felt. It had a really nice shelf for your thumb, so I got both calibers in that. And then their bigger one is like a verdict and um, just heavier. And yeah. then, yeah, 338 ROM, it's just really hard to pull me away from what I know works, and I'm, I've been really kind of nerding out on bullet choices and different things like that, and I'm, I'm probably just going to um, stick to the Acubons. I'm not, I don't really know, I'll probably just reload those. I have a really good load for yeah. already, and a 225 Acubon, a lot of guys are like, oh, that's so light, you should be a two, 250 to 285, 300 out of 338, and I'm like, you know, I know that's probably right, but I, I think speed kills, maybe it helps a little more on uh bullet drift they have a horrible bc compared to like a burger or some longer match bullet but mm -hmm. i have killed a pile of animals with a 225 acubon we all have i don't know how many cumulative when you add up all the big game animals that we've put on mm -hmm. the ground but it's in the hundreds with 225 yeah, we, 225 acubons yeah we it's a ton yeah it's going to be different going to you know trying some different calibers you know i also got the seven seven psalm and um, I got the lightweight. They call it the climber. Is it? Yeah, that's the, their lightest stock. And now the, the seven seven song. I want to try yeah. that. I think I'm going to try that burger yeah. because I've used a 168 burger before. It's actually mm -hmm. out of a 300 rum. It was really fast bullet. And uh, for lighter skin animals, I think that would be okay. They hammer a lot of meat. They kind of go in four inches and just explode mm -hmm. and pulverize everything inside there. Yeah, not sure how I would do on a wolf, um, mm -hmm. but. Uh, Sheep and caribou, I think they'd be fine. Those animals, they're not very tough. But when I'm talking moose yeah. and potential nine to up up to ten mm -hmm. up to ten foot bears, I wanted the three thirty eight. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to try their guns. They're yeah. they're building them as we speak, and they're just they're super nice, and we're excited to try that. I really like their. 
their app, the Revic app. Um, if you guys don't have that, you should download it. It's, mm-hmm. it's freaking legit. And there's there's a lot of stuff in there you can yeah. you can nerd out on. And then that new rangefinder they have is I'm excited to have that because I'm trying to make the ultimate system of like I'm going to buy those new NL Pure binos from Suara with their best lenses they have. They're just super crisp and clear. They're super light in your hands, comfortable to hold. And then that yeah, Revic, Suara's good. Yeah, that Revic fits literally. I usually run the ammo thing right next to my binos and then the rangefinder right behind that. And so when you need to reload your ammos right there, you're wearing your binos, you have the rangefinder, you keep your tag, you can keep a knife in the bino harness thing, you have everything on your body. So if you have to drop your pack or do whatever, it's all on a system that you run. And uh, I'm excited to kind of incorporate all that together and just, uh, you know, be more effective and more lethal. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I do like how that how they um made the made their system smaller cuz that the original BR2 that we used to use that thing, I mean, it was a great rangefinder and the thing was stinking accurate when it came to ranging. I felt like I've never had really any mistakes with it. But it's just so big and you always had to keep it in your pack. You couldn't keep it on, you know. I had like, a mistake with it once. I had a huge caribou, the one that Tana's first really big caribou was like 454. The one my buddy shot, I had that thing in my crosshairs, and it was anywhere from like four to six hundred yards, but I didn't know. And the bullet drops, you know, over a caribou, you know, body width or whatever yeah. at that distance. But it's a it's a joke because it was super misty and foggy and rolling in and out. And oh, and I, it didn't range right. Yeah, I would range it and say eight yards, twenty minutes of angle. And I'm like, well, it's not eight <laughs> yards. I can tell you that, and it's definitely not twenty minutes for that far of a shot. And then I'd range it again, and it would just give me some totally absurd number on the other end of the spectrum. So that's one of those I didn't take the shot. I just I had the crosshairs on as hard. I was rock solid, but I'm just like I just I don't know the dope, and I don't yes. know I don't know the range. I can't get a good range, and I didn't want to plow the thing in the guts or you know he was with like 50 other bulls i didn't want to shoot one of the other ones next to him or something so i didn't end up shoot that one shooting that one and um yeah i, mm-hmm. I don't regret it or anything like that but uh yeah. no no rangefinder will pick it up but i know what you're saying that thing was big and blocky and it had to live in the backpack and most long range shots 500 yards and beyond you have some time sometimes you don't and it's nice to have that thing right there and quick you know where you can grab yeah. it and get a range and hammer the animal yeah, because before before they made the Revic, Travis had that SIG, and we were in southern Idaho, and there was a bull, like, you know, we, we were hunting there for a few days, and we were waiting for Travis to fill his elk tag, and there was this bull at a dead run away from us. The thing was, like, getting range, like, far out quick, like, you know, 300 yards, and he was 350, and then he was 400 yards, the bull just kept running, running, running. But I just remember Trav grabbed that SIG off of it. You know, it's just, it was convenient. It was right on the side of it, of the pouch. And, and he ranged right ahead of it. And I just started cow calling that bull stopped and he just put, he put three slugs in it just as quick as he possibly could before the bull even figured it out, you know? Yep. Um, but it's just nice to have that. Now that they made that Revic, it just fits same, same ordeal. Like it's small, fits right on the side of the bino harness. And now you could just sit, you know, get those quick ranges when necessary. Obviously I, with long range, especially when you're in the 800, 900 range, you have to really, take your time the animal can't be running away but um but like you know 400 500 yards is really not that far with a good long range gun you know you can you can take a fairly quick shot with it if necessary a bullet flight time's a lot less you know but yeah when you're shooting longer distance i mean i have a general rule of thumb for myself i always range it three times i don't care what and i want to get the exact same range every single time and if i don't 
I lose confidence in myself and I want a different range. Cause when you're shooting, you know, um, I think what Gunworks call ELR extreme long range. And that's probably different from us for them. They're talking over a grand. I'm talking like over five, 600, you know, in a hunting environment where there's wind mm-hmm. and variables and you don't always have the best platform to shoot off of and you're, you're fatigued or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, with those, I want a really accurate range because that matters, you know, when you're shooting that far. A couple yards, can, yeah. a couple yards can really make a difference, and you need to minimize all those errors. But yeah, I get what you're saying. 400 yards of an animal is like trotting or whatever. You can get a stop or whatever, um, and just get a quick shot on them. Usually, that's that's kind of how we do things. I just yeah. tell people we see animals. They're like, "How are you guys so successful?" Like, it's pretty simple. You see the animal before it sees you. You don't let it wind you. You run over there and you put a bullet in it and you kill it. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. You know, that's it. The, yeah, the story. And that's the secret. Trade secrets out. You know, yeah. That's all you need to go. Um, I yeah. should probably, since we're talking about courses, should I drop the bag on a course that I'm making? Sure. Yeah. You so want to do that, Tana. Let's see. That's what courses yeah. we're, we're coming up with a bunch of. Talk courses about here. the courses and talk about the app and the membership. So, mm-hmm. I have been asked, I don't know how many hundreds of times at Salt Lake Hunt Expo. Um, can I go moose hunting with you? How do you go moose hunting? All these kinds of logistical questions. I get asked most the same question, where do I go and who do I go with? And there's Alaska's a giant state and stuck in rut is a, a do it yourself hunting platform. So I don't want to create a course that tells you where to go. If that was the case, I would just be an outfitter and I would make a lot more by taking you and holding your hand. But our courses, at least in my opinion, aren't meant to hold your hand. They're for you to grow as a hunter and figure it on your, on, on your own. So you have the self reliance that you know how to do it and you created the system and you gained the knowledge and you went out and did it by yourself. So I want to make a moose course and I've started it. Um, and it's overwhelming because you jot all these things down of all this knowledge you have and things you want to go over, but primarily based for a non-resident, a guy that wants to come up, say from Kansas and wants to shoot a moose. And how do I get my stuff up there? What do I need to bring up there? What are the bugs like? Um, different areas of the state that have moose, different areas that have roads. There's only like three roads in Alaska, if people don't know that. So a lot of stuff is like flying out with an air taxi or transporter. What is an air taxi? What's a transporter? What's it cost? What's it cost to go to different regions of the state? What are the genetics like in different regions of the state? Uh, pro tip, just like Idaho, you can kill a 400-inch bull elk in any unit of Idaho, but there's units in the state that are more prone to hold a large elk. And the same thing goes for Alaska. Any unit could hold a Boone and Crockett moose. There's some areas at the current stage and the current stage of the food and the population and the predators, bears, particularly big bears kill a lot of moose calves and those moose calves eventually could be a world record bull moose eventually all that stuff comes into play and so i'm trying to create a course to wrap around that and then tactics a lot of people going are paying extra money in my opinion to go hunt moose areas where there's any bull unit because they're scared they're going to shoot a moose that's 50 inches or less and that's illegal because a moose has to be 50 or have three or four brow tines in Alaska because they manage it for trophy quality. They don't just want non-residents to come up here and shoot the first little bull that walks by. 50-inch moose is like a three-year-old moose. That's a tiny, it's like a tiny little raghorn elk. So um, it's easy to judge that. We have different tips and tricks that I want to explain to people, how to measure them and different things like that, and um, show some pictures. Yeah, and just just teach people how to do that. And obviously, (coughs) you start seeing hundreds of moose, you get, 
I mean, I can usually get it within an inch or two, but um, you can build your confidence on that of how to judge a legal moose. Um, and when you shoot one, you walk up to them, they look like a Clydesdale horse, like two 350 elk, through two 350 size bulls, like side by side. Like, what are we going to do here? And I just tell people it's like long division. You just got to start and grab a leg and start cutting. And it just takes a lot of time. And eventually you're done after like four to five hours of grueling work. Um, and then how do I get that stuff out of the field? How do airplanes operate? Um, can airplanes land closer? Am I on a float trip? I am on a drop hunt. Am I a drop hunt on floats? Am I a drop hunt on wheels? Um, and then I get the stuff back to a village. I, do I get it back to Anchorage and then how do I get it back from the village to Anchorage and then how do I get it from Anchorage to home and all these different logistical questions. And so I'm trying to wrap that all up into a course and it's basically <laughs> very, it was supposed class. to be like a crash course, but I, I don't, <laughs> if anyone knows me, I'm kind of an intense person. I don't really half-ass anything. So I'm, I'm just going to give you guys everything I know. I'm not going to tell you where to go, but I'm going to tell you these kind of bulls are here and these kind of bulls are coming out of here. Here's a pro tip. You want to know what the moose come out or coming out of this said region? Go look at the outfitter who guides there. If you want to say, oh, what are the governor's tag elk like in Nevada? Well, look at Mossback and they'll show you. This is the governor's tag bull. You know, it's a gigantic moose. If you want to look up trophy moose hunting in Alaska, look it up. See where those outfitters are. I'm like, oh, they're outfitting up in this mountain range or over by this town. And then you can kind of start narrowing down your search. I mean, it's not that hard. It's common sense to figure it out. Problem is the the transportation in Alaska is so hard. Everyone wants to do this. Everyone comes up to Salt Lake, oh, moose is my dream animal. Well, there's a bunch of other dudes that are five years ahead of you that already have the money, that already have a stupid buddy or two, that's even a better idea, that want to go do this. And so you got to kind of jump on the bandwagon and get going and get your name on the list to get with one of these fly-out transporter people to drop you because they can only take so many people, the weather's bad, and they can only hire so many pilots and airplanes that people want to do this. Um, and so this course would be a little different than Tom's Tom's. Uh, you can find his mule deer masterclass and the wolf masterclass on the app, but we had a long time to brainstorm and long drives from Salt Lake at the expo to Cody, Wyoming. And we want to make our app like a one-stop shop. We want to make the membership so encompassing that, um, it would be crazy not to want to be a VIP member of the Stuck in the Red app, not just for the videos. We do live question and answers um, and a bunch of other things to come on there with a lot of interactive content. And we've been slow as we're starting to get this thing up, but we're all building these courses and thinking about ways we can grow this app um, and how to be on there more and be interactive and different things. But this Moose course is probably going to be done within a couple months here. I'd like to have it done by the end of this month, but I'm really trying to figure out how to build a house and get all the building materials to rural Alaska and all this stuff. But uh, we are planning to have multiple courses on the app, and they're all going to be included with the VIP membership. So it's 100 bucks a year. You get all of our videos from last hunting season. And like if we do a black bear hunt or a spring bear hunt, that's going to be edited as fast as we can. We got a new computer coming. I know Tom's pumped about that. And so there's big things coming for Stuck in the Rut and the app. And this moose course, I probably would have listed it for, I don't know, like three to 500 bucks. Um, and I should make a lot shorter one with less time investment. Like I said, I can't go halfway on something. So I just need to spit all this out that I know, put it into a 
a format that can be easily digested for every single person because I want people to hunt a moose. It's an amazing animal. Um, It's not that hard. They're super impressive. They're super fun to call. And it's the biggest species of the deer family. And I think everyone should capitalize on that. And all you have to do is be a VIP Stucker Hunt member. You're going to have access to that course and many other courses. Mm-hmm. That's your cue. And then I also, oh, <laughs> what, what are you going to do for more courses? Because you already have the wolf so, and the deer one, but then you're going to add more to the yeah. VIP membership, right? Yeah. So, so right now, the wolf and the mule they're completely separate from the app right now as we speak because I created that long before the app was even yep um, going. Um, but I, I, I will talk to Tan a little bit more on that. But we want to figure out a way to where the people that are currently taking the mule their course and the wolf course can have access to the app in some way, shape or form. So yeah, they're going to have a I'll private to group. So like they can, they can be able to go on there and, and receive the benefits that other people have plus more. Yep. Um, but so right now what I'm doing as we speak, and it's kind of the same ordeal Adam's doing is so right now uh, I'm actually getting fairly close to being done with the spring and fall black bear course. Now we've hunted black bears, you know, in the state of Idaho and Montana, it's pretty similar to hunting Wyoming and these other states too. And we're, if you've watched us, I was actually just counting them up. We have 40 black bear hunting episodes on our stuck and rut YouTube channel. And we have killed a lot of black bears and it's for us, it's, it's common knowledge just because we grew up doing it, but not everybody has. And so a lot of people do have questions on how to hunt and pursue a big spring bear. And, and so what I'm doing right now is creating a, Right now, that's what I'm doing for the for the app, and this one will be on the app itself. I'm creating a spring bear course and and breaking it down for everybody to understand. When I when I talk about animals, like I am, I'm a very simple person, and so I try to simplify the complications of hunting. Um, I say, like the one thing I think is a lot of people try to complicate hunting to make it sound. I don't know. Like they're an expert or something. I, I don't know how to explain it. But for me, it to me, the animal just wants to survive. An animal is born and then it wants to survive. So it wants to eat and it wants to live, you know. And, and breed, just like humans. And breed. Yep. And breed. But every animal has their own different ways of doing it. So I, with the spring bear course, I teach it very simply and, you know, and teach people how to like, get that bear tag filled and not just on a regular bear, but an actual big mature bear. Um, so that's currently in the mix and it's almost done. I just have to, I, I'm just doing a little bit more editing there, but as of right now, the wolf hunting masterclass is ready to go. Any of you guys can check it out. It's, it's a very thorough course. It's a masterclass. And it's I wanted like to kind of time for wolves right now too, isn't it for you guys? Yeah. It's yeah. breeding season it's right now. Time. So I wanted and I wanted to explain the difference. So like the, the courses on the app versus what I'm doing outside the app, they're two separate. So we're, we're calling them crash courses or even mini courses. The ones that are on the app, they're, they're, they're great courses, but it's just down to the point. But the masterclass that, I've, that I'm doing is so thorough, it would take an entire day for you to watch everything. And so, I mean, for, for you to really go through the class that I've put together, especially the wolf course, it took me... I like to say it took me close to a little over six months to create that wolf course. Then on top of that, previous old footage of of wolf hunting videos that we have that we have accumulated in the past decade. 
that have all been added to the course. And a lot of raw footage that we've never shown before too, that YouTube would not allow us to show. And so um, there's a lot of really neat stuff that we never shown or we never really talked about. Um, just learning and understanding the wolf behavior. Wolves are very unique animal when it comes to vocals and how they respond. When you're hunting a wolf pack and they're doing certain howls, some of those howls, you don't even know what they're doing. You don't know if they're being aggressive. You don't know if they're running away. You don't know if they're calling the rest of the members of the pack. I teach all that. I teach the sounds and what to expect when a wolf, when a wolf's doing this, then you do that, you know, sort of thing. And so um, I teach several different scenarios. I same thing, like wolves are a very complicated animal to hunt, but the purpose of the course is to simplify wolf hunting and to make it easy for those who are first getting into it. Cut that learning curve. That's my goal is just to cut that learning curve in half. I mean, obviously you have to be fit to go up in the mountains. You have to take time out of your day away from your job to do it but you have the knowledge, you know? So that's the goal is, is to give you the knowledge. All you got to do is go out there and kill them now. And it's the same thing with the black bears. It's the same thing with the mule deer course. Um, that's, so that's what I'm doing. I mean, we're all together as a, as a, the team of stuck and rut, we're all creating courses and getting all this stuff put together. Um, and then another thing to look forward to Travis isn't here tonight, but he is going to create um, an elk course. And I will say that Travis is the elk man. He's, out of anyone in our family, he's the guy that's killed the big bulls over the years. And my three biggest bulls that I have ever killed in my life, Travis was there helping me. And, and two of those, out of three of those, two of those I gave up on and told Travis I give up on those elk. Like, and those are the... <laughs> and I was my like, I'm my biggest bull, Travis, told me right where to go, and I went and shot it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, so, to not to, like, stroke Trav too much, but he did shoot a six-point bull, like, every year for, like, 20 years. From the time he was 12, and then I think he went one year without it a year ago or something, but he was building he got, a ton of houses or something like that. And he got super selective. He had he drew one special tag, and the, on he only had a week. Bulls. Yeah, and then he ended up eating his tag, and well, then he ended up just shooting a depredation cow tag close to his house. Yeah, but and one thing, just yeah, yeah. one but thing I also wanted to that, say, he's, um, he's also going to put on, um, basically just like a hunting one on one course. And Travis, one of the best hunters, when I started hunting with him, I was just like, wow, he'd be walking down a logging road and be like, oh, see that bear scrape over there on that tree? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure, you know. And I, I didn't know what he was talking about. He's just super observant, and so that would be probably the most influential class that someone could start with if they're kind of unsure about their abilities tracking. I never knew anything about looking for tracks unless it was like, you know, anyone could see a track in white powdery snow. Oh, there's a deer track to walk across the road, you know, and Trav taught me how all that little stuff and just like trade secrets that we do that, you know, you, you can't go hunting with Travis, but you can pick up a lot of that stuff. And I think that's going to be really vital. And I'm, we're not, we're not like trying to like, undersell these are going to be good courses we're calling them crash course mini course whatever you want to call it and they're going to become more comprehensive we just want stuff since we're in the planning preparation stages of hunting right now we're like six months out from sheep hunting in alaska so we want to get something on the app where you guys can have it right now and you can start planning And if you're spring bear hunting you can watch this crash course thing and maybe ask us questions mm -hmm. on the app or email us and stuff and so you can implement that stuff in may and june when you are spring bear hunting so that's that's why they're they're shorter as of now. They're going to be more comprehensive later as we put more info and more footage and stuff into them. 
But uh, Tom and Trav are both building houses, and they're about to hit a stopping point with breakup when things get kind of muddy and slow, and they're going to have some time to compile this. So we should have in the next couple months a lot of stuff coming to the app, and then Tom will still have his two courses that are already already available. So mm-hmm. a lot of big yeah. things coming. Yeah, it's just a lot of growth, a lot of growth, and a lot of a lot of work to do. But we're all we're all dedicated. And we're all we're all in it. So it's in been it a to great... win it. Yeah. We're in it to win it, yeah. And can you explain a little bit about how you're going to be working the videos? What's that, Tana? Can you explain a little bit how you're going to be working the videos with the app and the posting schedule compared to YouTube and all of that? Yeah, what is the YouTube posting schedule? People probably don't know that because it's kind of an internal thing. So maybe go over that and then talk about the differences because the app is going to be much better. Yeah. Yeah, so it's so the app is going to be premier access to all the footage. Now, right now, I'm still compiling footage. I'm still putting it together. Um, but right now, I think we're up to 9 to 10. I'd like to say, is there 10? Do we have 10 on there now? From last um, 10 year's premier access. From, yeah, from 2021. And the goal with this app is to get, you know, pretty much as soon as they kill the animal and get it off the mountain, and at least get the footage to the computer. We want to start editing that footage ASAP and get it on the app. And so it's premier access. If you've, you know, it's, it's, I think the best example is if you guys have like Disney plus or these other, um, these other places to watch movies, there's a premier access where you have access to this stuff immediately. But if you want to wait for a long period of time for the free video, then sure. Here's the issue, though. The reason why we're creating the app is is YouTube is getting more and more strict with the videos we post. I'm always fighting YouTube and keeping videos on. And so that's why we, the, that was the purpose of doing this, the app in the first place, is so that we have a place to put our footage so you guys can still watch our videos. Um, but slowly, you know, like, like I said, right now, I'm posting everything ASAP. Um, and then slow, and then once a month, starting, well, this starting the month of March. Is it March yet? Yep. I, I can't even, I know we're getting there. <laughs> so, yep. so this, so the month of March, I will be doing, I'm starting. I'll just be posting one stuck and rut episode a month. And, but it's going to take a very long time. We have 17 episodes. If you want to wait 17 months to get all the episodes, then go for it. Wait, unless you want full access to all the episodes now get the app and then you can be able to access it. But right now I'm, I'm up to 10. I got 10 videos loaded up and we're getting a few more on there as we speak. Tana's moose is going to be incredible. We're, we're getting Tana's moose video put together and that archery moose is just, it's yeah, it is one of a kind video. Tana getting close and personal. How close were you to that moose Tana? When you stuck it with your bow? Too close. <laughs> Too, Too close for comfort. Yeah, I mean, it looks, usually if you guys know, ever filmed with the GoPro, the GoPro makes things look farther than they appear. That moose looks like it's 10 or to 15 yards on it's a GoPro. 17. So if it's 10, <laughs> huh? It was 17 yards, I'm pretty sure, Then when we went to track it, you know, I, I kind of stood where I was and I okay. stepped it off to where I was pretty sure he was standing and yeah, 15 to 17 yards right in there. Okay. So, I mean, I guess it kind of, I guess you, we did zoom up enough on it. I zoomed on it. Yeah. 
Okay, it's going to make it, it made it look that close. Okay. But he actually but looked way closer close. in person. Like on the GoPro, I'm like, dang, he looks far away, but I only come up to the shoulder, like the armpit of the moose, and I'm 5'5". Five, mm-hmm. five. So you imagine like you put me next to that thing and you're 17 yards away. It's a huge, huge body. Huge animal. Yeah. <laughs> moose are incredible animals. A lot of fun to hunt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And showing Adam on the Instagram story over there, just sleeping. <laughs> I'm not sleeping. I'm texting my buddy in Anchorage saying, where can I get some freaking windows right now, bud? If you guys yeah. listen to this podcast, you know someone who's got windows in right now. Go ahead. But Trav's freaking me out. He's like, eight, time, eight weeks, lead time's growing. And I'm like, I don't got eight weeks, Trav. And he's like, well, tough titty. And I'm just like, mm, can't sleep, you know, yeah. Tom. <laughs> And he just laughs. Yeah. Like, literally, he oh, laughs yeah. like I'm, you I'm are. He's like, oh, me. welcome to my life. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, wait till we fly. And you, like, almost kill yourself. I'm like, oh, welcome to my life, Trav. You know? Tana's like, how to go picking up traps? <laughs> like, oh, I almost crashed a couple times on takeoff, but I said I made it out of there. So it's good. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, it wasn't too close. It'll buff out. So a couple <laughs> trees. But yeah. I didn't hit them. Yeah, you um, gotta be careful. It's fine. Yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited for the new app. A lot of work that's going into it. Are you excited for your new computer? That'll make things a lot more streamlined. I have it right now. Um, I've been editing it right now. And so um, I'm just waiting. We had a little difficulty with the hard drive. I, w- I would have actually had all 17 videos ready to go, but we had some difficulty on the hard drive. So um, should be getting it back. I'll here with them tomorrow see what's going on with the footage um but just i don't know we'll find out we'll find out <laughs> i have like the good the good news is no memory there's always that biggest fear of losing video losing footage from incredible hunts and so we never lost any footage i don't think we ever have um but on um, you know so we all still have the sd cards it's just on the hard drive i had all these videos edited and ready to go and and then the hard drive just like flip flopped on me, so I had to set it to a repair place. And but yeah, that's we should be getting that back soon, and and I'll be able to post the rest of the videos onto the new app. And um, but right now we have, let's see, we if I think it, think at the top of my head, so we got three, no, three bear episodes. Yeah, three. We got three black bear episodes. Three, no, two elk up. Ep- no, yeah, three elk episodes. Help me out, Tanisu. Um, oh, let's see. And <coughs> sheep, sheep, caribou. We got a sheep, elk. a caribou. There's another. My bear. More elk. Your bear? No. But not your bear yet, right? Oh, that one hasn't been posted yet. Your bear was ready. Yeah, that. See, that was the one on the hard drive that I'm waiting to get back. It was ready to go. That one, I had that one edited and ready to go, and so. But anyways, yeah, just the fun things of, um, that, you know, the joys of hunting, um, the fun part about hunting is being able to, to shoot and kill, but the, then the work begins, not just the cutting up the meat, but the editing videos that I can take some time, but it is really fun to actually go over and see your old footage and, and to be able, you know, that's the neat thing we're going to have too, is just to be able to show that video those videos to our kids you know when we get older and anyone who's listening to this like i highly recommend getting into filming your hunts I, it is actually really fun to do and it, it becomes part of the experience of 
hunting the animal. Like it's almost like a double excitement. Like it's exciting to kill the animal and it's exciting to, to capture it on film. It's very and difficult to, you, to capture it on film and to make. Should I make a mini course? Yeah, Tana probably <laughs> should. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't call it like to make it a production, but to get enough footage to tell a story and to compile something and to get the kill shot on film. And that was mm-hmm. so hard for me to transition into. You can't be selfish and want to watch the animal with your own eyeballs die. You need to look mm-hmm. at the camera and watch the animal die through the camera so the rest of the world gets to see it. So you're sacrificing that for yourself. And Tom's a really good cameraman and knows this. And um, it's just there's a lot that goes into it. And batteries are always dying because of the cold. But it's so rewarding to... You know, have the last pack of meat back at the tent, or you just did a sheep hunt, and you get to like lay in bed, and you're exhausted. You're like, hey, let's watch the video, and you're watching this tiny little two inch screen. And you're like, oh, that was so cool, and you're reliving the moment. And then you get to go share it with friends and family and all people all over the world on the internet for them to kind of live vicariously through the hunt. It's really cool to be able to share that and showcase the excitement and really tell a true story of just a really killer hunt and that's what we try and try and do don't no fluff no boots to the creek or you know b-roll or anything like that everything is legit and as it comes and pretty raw Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. so i will link all that stuff in the show notes of the wolf masterclass and our app and how you can get on there and have access to all of our future courses and all of our current videos and future videos anything else you guys want to add no that's good no i think we're good thanks everyone for listening and give us a thumbs up or a star however it works in the podcast if you want to learn more about moose hunting (laughs) (laughs) if you want to learn more to be like adam (laughs) (laughs) yep till next time We now have on our app several new videos from last year and still posting new ones. And Tom just released a spring bear course on the app. It's within a private group. It says bear hunting crash course. And in order to get access to that, you need to be a VIP member. So there is a code that you can use until the end of March, until March 31st is when it expires for 20% off. And that is spring bear. So just use the code, all lowercase, one word, spring bear for 20% off. You will get access to the bear course and any new courses that we put out this year, which is going to be a moose, a DIY hunting moose course, an elk course, a, a new novice hunters course. There's going to be a lot of different courses we're adding along with all of our videos. So we'll see you at the app. That's it for today, everyone. Thanks for joining us. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review and also reach out to us with any questions. Until next time.